Hello and welcome to the Christian Women in Business podcast show. We are an online community of Christian women in business and we are aligning our businesses with God. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Meeson, and I wanted to create a platform where women can come to be inspired, to learn from women who have been there and done that, and know what it's really like to run a business as a Christian and what it means to them. I would love for you to join us as we get into the meat of the word share the love of God, and grow our businesses like never before. For more information about becoming a member, visit our website, www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au. Looking forward to sharing these podcasts with you and helping you to grow as a leader and a business owner like never before. G'day guys, it is SJ here from Christian Women in Business, and um, this is today's podcast and um, it's actually going to be recorded as a video because today is our 100th podcast. I can't believe we've made it to 100. I am very humbled and we have met so many amazing women in our podcast that have just showed and shared incredible stories that have helped show God's glory um, to encourage our faith And um, it's just amazing. So yes, today I thought I would record the podcast as a video. So if you are listening to this podcast while you're driving, you can watch my face. We don't usually do videos, but I thought this one's going to be a little bit special. So I might just share my face on it for you. Now, this podcast is recorded in the future or in history. So we are actually... (laughs) one week away from conference when I'm recording this video and my tiny little granny flat, which is beautiful, his chockers with, I think you can maybe see in this corner somewhere, conference stuff. My bedroom is full of conference stuff, Um, plugging in the last details to get everything sorted. So by the time you're watching this video, conference will have actually happened. (laughs) And um, I look forward in the next podcast to be sharing with you all the awesome things that happened at conference. So today is the 100th podcast of the Christian Women in Business podcast show. I am so happy that you have joined me here today. I actually don't have any guests on the show today, um, and I've done that for a reason, I'm like, okay, God, we're coming up to our 100th podcast. What would you like to share? Did you want to do something special? Um, And nothing really came to mind. So um, I've actually been ahead of the podcast schedule for a few weeks. So I've just been sitting on what we should do. Um, And then this morning, as I was getting ready and looking at my to-do list, I'm like, oh, (laughs) 100th podcast, still don't have anything yet. And so uh, I've just been messing around the house and God said, share your story. So you've heard from lots of women from all over the world um, sharing their stories about how they come to be who they are today. You know, they're Christian women in business, they're fighting strong, they're doing awesome things. Um, And um, I have been the interviewer. (laughs) And so today I thought I would share with you my story um, And also my testimony, because the testimony and the story that God has given me does nothing but glorify his amazingness. And I hope by sharing with you my story today that it will bring you healing. It will get rid of the the delusion (laughs) that 
Christian leaders have had this perfect life and been brought up in a perfect household and, you know, we've had everything served to us on a silver platter. Um, So many people, I guess, look to me now because I am in a leadership role, whether I like it or not, um, and kind of judge me. And so I thought, why not share my story so you can um, see the adventure and the love story that God Um, has used me for to share his amazingness some of you may have heard this story before Um, I encourage you to still listen to it again because you might get something different out of it or I might share something different that will teach you something who knows Um, and I would love to pray before we get into it dear lord thank you for this amazing opportunity to share with you today the amazing story that you've given me and that we've been on together um, that I can now share with people to help them see your love, your grace, your healingness, your amazingness and just the character of who you are and what you bring to every person on this world. Jesus says, look after my sheep and I hope by sharing this story that if it's your will, Father God, that it will bring, it will open eyes, it will shine light, and it will encourage those who already know you, and for those that don't know you who might be listening to this podcast, that the darkness would be lifted and they'd see your light shining. Um, I ask that you would put the right words in my mouth, Holy Spirit, as I share, that your will will be done throughout this podcast so that it will heal and bring deliverance to those who need it, that it will bring closure to those who need it, and it will help people see things from a kingdom perspective rather than a worldly one. And I just thank you again for this great opportunity. Amen. Cool. So I have tissues. (laughs) I have tea, (laughs) all the things that I'm renowned for, and Aldi chocolate because Aldi's chocolate is the best. So Let's see how we go. Now, I've got an accent, and my accent is English. Um, So I'm originally from the UK, Nottinghamshire. If anyone's ever heard of that, that's Robin Hoodland, the King of Thieves. I lived about 20 minutes away from his tree growing up uh, in Sherwood Forest, and uh, it's a beautiful part of the English countryside to live in. Um, so as I'm going to take you through kind of the whole journey and this podcast might be a little long, but that's okay. Whatever God does, he does. Um, and so I grew up in the UK. Uh, my original biological father left, uh, my mother and I, and they split up, um, when I was about three. That actually left, uh, I think my mum actually left my dad and that actually left us homeless. So my mum and I were homeless um, and thanks to her beautiful friend uh, who she's still in contact with us today, um, took us in basically and took us off the street. So that was really amazing of her. Uh, Mum kind of pulled herself together, found a new fellow um, who is now my stepdad Um, and so they moved in together um, and he became another dad, I guess is how you would put it. Um, and as I was growing up, um, what I found out was that my stepdad 
even though I love him and, you know, he's done an amazing job as I've grown up and an adult to see. But as I was growing up, um, he was very silent, um, had a very interesting temper. <laughs> and um, as a little girl who's a single child, it was a very scary and lonely place. Um, and the English culture is very much about drinking and about going to pubs and kind of living that lifestyle. So I was actually left um, alone quite a lot while mum and dad went to the pub and got drunk and did what the English folk do. So my lonelihood was very, very, very alone. Um, I'm very much introverted now and um, I'm very much used to my own space. And um, from that, uh, mum and dad went through some really, really hard times. So dad was self-employed. He worked on the dairy farms in England um, and we had foot and mouth. I don't know if anyone can remember that. Um, and that meant that dad basically was out of work because all the cows died. So there was no milk. So there was no work for dad. Mum just worked um, or mum works as a checkout chick. Um, and so we were on um, a fairly low wage um, trying to survive. And my mum did the best she could with what she had. And I guess the drinking whatever would have been an outlet of stressful times, really. And um, uh, then dad went on to have two heart attacks as well. So that meant he was out of work even more. So we, we, I paid for things out of my pocket money that I got from my grandparents. Like I'd saved that stuff up and went on some amazing experiences throughout the world. And I was very blessed. But within that time, my dad, my stepdad, so my real dad now was completely out of the picture. My stepdad's temper kind of grew. Um, and it was a very isolating uh, mentally abusive place for a little girl to grow up um, and in the pub my mum and dad met some drinking friends um, they had a son um, who oh I should disclose that this story may bring some realities to some people so um, this is just how it is sharing it raw being authentic and so um, they uh, met these friends they had an older son so he was a couple of years older than me um, who was an absolute rebel and I often think oh my gosh mum and dad how could you have been so naive but I've forgiven them all that but I still kind of do think how could have you been naive but anyway so because they were going off drinking I was then left alone with this boy um, and so from the age of maybe 12 11 12 um I was sexually abused for two years. So my mum and dad would go out to the pub, they'd leave me with this guy and, you know, stuff happened. Um, and throughout that, uh, my stepdad got even worse. Um, and so I, I did have a good lifestyle in the way that I went to a thing called the Army Cadets. It was very adventurous. I grew um, more social. I develop leadership skills it was great for discipline I was already very independent so that was a great part of my upbringing so <laughs> the not so great upbringing was home being abused for two years um, and then being emotionally abused by my stepdad um, led to a little girl feeling very lost very alone and seeking love all in the wrong places and I, my family are not Christian 
Um, I think my great great, I know my great great granddad is because I have his massive big Bible and there's all these precious things in there and it's gorgeous. Um, so someone's been praying for me, uh, but it wasn't in this lifetime. And um, so I wasn't Christian, abused, emotionally abused at home, very alone all the time, left me to want to find love in all the wrong places. And so once I reached the age of teenager, as you can imagine, I was quite rebellious. I wasn't harmful to my mum or anything, but I smoked, I drink. For some reason, I did never wanted to touch drugs. So praise Jesus for that. But uh, I did drink heavily. Uh, by the time I was 17, uh, we were already in pubs illegally drinking. Like that was how it was back in the day. Um, and so that kind of prolonged. I would go out searching for love in all the wrong places. Never found it. <laughs> um and that kind of led me through cadets to know someone who um, worked in a, a charity called Victim Support. And so she took me under her wing very gracefully. Um, and I actually kind of went into my first big adult job. Um, and when you've been abused, often you want to be the rescuer of other people. So you think, oh, this has happened to me. I want to help others in that. Um, who have gone through that and sometimes that isn't actually a wise decision you've got a great heart but for you emotionally and uh, for the story that you have that might not be the best thing to do and that definitely probably wasn't the best thing for me to do (laughs) being so raw to uh, abuse being so young to the world being so fresh to the world um being in a job like victim support opened my eyes up to a lot of crime, a lot of bad things that no, you know, 20 year old, 19, 20 year old should ever read or hear about. But um, it certainly put my feet back on the ground. So I was dealing with rapes, domestic violences, murders, drugs, you name it. Um, I was helping people with, and one day I was sat in the office and, um, we had a crime come through and it was of a fellow who was a drug dealer. He'd been strapped to the floor and, and he'd been beaten to death. And it was a horrific um, case. And we had his death certificate in as part of all the stuff that we helped victims, like their families and stuff. Like we kind of, it's a great thing. Um, even though you deal with all this horrible stuff because you help people kind of get through a really bad situation. So we had the death certificate. I can I was just sat there in the office one day and I read this death certificate and I thought, oh my gosh, is this all I'm going to be when I die? And in that moment, it was like I had swallowed something that was just lead in my tummy is the only way I can describe it. So I felt sick, my tummy weighed down, I went all hot and flustered and it was like an instant of depression just went snap and I was gone and I just said to my boss, oh my gosh, I really don't feel very well, I just need to go to the toilet for a couple of minutes and I just sat in that toilet and can remember thinking, oh my gosh, um, it it literally came upon me, right? Um And so I immediately just 
fell into a really, really bad state of depression and it came out in all different ways. And I'd actually left home by that point. So I was living with a flatmate um, and basically, and some of you may have suffered from depression before, it affects everyone in all different kinds of ways, but mine, because of the death, was all related to death. So um, I would see myself dead in a coffin. Um, I would obsess over death. Um, I thought I was worth nothing. I was worthless. Um, and all of these very, very terrible thoughts that come into your head when you're in that depressive state. Um, and it, it got to a point where it overtook my mind. So I was going to work, I was still going to work. Um, and the only way I could get to sleep was by exercising my body so hard that I would literally just collapse and as soon as my eyes shut I would fall to sleep and I wouldn't have to shut my eyes and see myself in a in a coffin is basically what it got to so I was gymming I'd finish work I'd go straight to the gym I would go to the gym for about three hours I would just run my body into the ground I then started to control my eating as well because I felt that that was the only thing that I could control Um, and so it was a really really dark time I lost a lot of weight um, and I can just remember calling my mum. My mum knew I was in a depressive state. She'd been keeping an eye on me, and I just called my mum and said, you know what, mum, if we don't do something about this soon, I can't stand these thoughts anymore. I'm going to kill myself, and so immediately she came and picked me up. She took me home, um, and the next day she took me to the doctor's, bless that doctor. He was so good. So he put me on um, massive antibiotics. I can remember trying to swallow them and thinking, how am I even going to fit that down my throat? But um, he put me straight on to antibiotics. um, And then I was booked in to see a psychotherapist like the next day or something. He was just brilliant. And mum was brilliant too. Um, And so I went to see the psychotherapist. She was absolutely fantastic too. Um, and she, I don't think she was a Christian, but she was still great. Like she has a gift of healing, whether she knows it's from God or not. Um, and we went through some stuff. And in the meantime, in England, if you have suffered some kind of crime, you can actually claim compensation from the government, um, which we would help victims fill out as well. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to fill this out like bad stuff happened to me. (laughs) I'm going to apply for this money. And so I did while in all that process um, and um, I actually got quite a good payout. And so I'd been working with um, the psychotherapist. We worked through things all the way from, you know, being emotionally abused by dad, abuse, all that kind of stuff all the way up until my depression. And we worked through that and we forgave and we let go. And um, it got to a point where I got to my... 21st birthday and I was back working then um, and I just thought to myself one day you know what I don't want to be reading these stories anymore I'm really young I want to go out and see the world Um, and I had this wad of cash that God blessed me with Um, and without it I wouldn't like this second chapter this is like chapter one chapter two wouldn't have happened And so um, 
I just looked, I literally just went on Google, old school Google, and was like, where can you um, holiday and work uh, easiest in the world, right? Simple. <laughs> Australia came up. And so I was like, all right, I'm heading to Australia. Um, and literally a month later, I handed in my notice. I'd sold everything that I could. I booked a business class ticket because I thought, hell, if I'm going to go to Australia, I'm going to go to it in style. Oh, gosh, that was like the best flight ever, by the way. And, um, yeah, a month later, I said goodbye. And my mum went through a really tough stage, bless her soul. Um, she, Her daughter moved to Australia and she lost her best friend to cancer, like, in the same three days. It was actually at my leaving party that my mum's friend died so that was really traumatic and then um a daughter hopped on a plane to the other side of the world so mum you're a legend and um so I hopped on the plane <laughs> I knew one person in Australia who I'd gone to school with and off I tootled here you go and so we I guess if this is a book you'd turn the page and we'd be on chapter two now so um, I landed in Australia. My one friend that I knew said, come and stay with me for a bit while you get yourself set up. So I did. Um, and um, I basically managed, so that was in Sydney. Um, I managed to find a job because I did army cadets before, right? Um, I managed to find a job the only job I could find, it was down in Shell Harbour, uh, which for those who don't know Australia is about um, an, hour and a, an hour and a half below Sydney. And um, it was doing outdoor education. And with that job came all my meals paid for, all my accommodation paid for in the week, and I got a wage. And I got to see some of the most beautiful, isolated, idyllic places in Australia for a job. Like, I was just, I could not believe that I was so blessed. Um, and so I did that job and I met some really amazing, precious friends who are still my friends today through that. And one particular friend saw that I was in a room by myself, right? Because I like my own space. <laughs> and she said, hey, can I bunk with you? And I said, sure, no worries. And we hit it like a house on fire and she's still a very very dear friend of mine today and always get emotional at this point she's such a critical part in this story and I so am so blessed because of her and her time to listen to the Holy Spirit who told her to go into that room. This is why we have to choose people. <laughs> and so she followed that prompting. And of course, I didn't know that at the time. Anyway, let's pull myself together. And so, um, have a cup of tea. <laughs> and so, um, she basically shared this room with me and there's a funny story that goes behind that about a very smelly sleeping bag and it helped us bond very much not mine hers um and so 
we um we hit it off and um she found out that oh it's good she found out that I was basically living on the road um on my days off so you'd spend like six days in the bush doing awesome things with kids taking them kayaking and walking and things and then you'd have like one or two days off where you'd go home get a shower (laughs) um wash your kit or your stuff and then you'd be back out on the road again uh doing the awesome job and so at that point um I'd bought a um I bought a camper van it was an absolute lemon and it cost me the fortune so I lost a wad of that money in one car, which um, which was good, actually. It was good that I lost some of that money. And I then went on to another car. That was a dud. Lost another wad of money. So <laughs> I had literally hardly any money to my name through dud cards. Um, and she was so beautiful. She said, you know what? Me and my housemate are really happy to have you come and stay with us on the day off. Like, you can use the floor in the spare bedroom come and get a shower, wash your kit, um, don't be lonely. And, you know, she could actually take me to and from work as well, which was great, bless her. Um, and so as I was staying there, I just got to know these girls and there was just something so different about them, so, so different. And I just knew what they had I needed to have because I didn't have it. Um, and anyone who's kind of been in that scenario will know what I mean when you just kind of see that they've just got this something that I really wanted. They were really self-assured. They knew who they were, were, they were generous. They just had this something, there was something. And so, um, one night they had a Bible study, um, and I found out that they were Christian and they were like, look, you can come and join us if you want to, but if you don't, like, it's all good. I was like, hey, I'm traveling, you know, let's try new things. And so um, I joined in and it was the most interesting thing I had ever been to. I was so intrigued by the Bible. Like I'd read it before because like in school they make you do it, but in England all the vicars are like 200 years old it's really old school. It's really hard to understand. Um, so, I mean, there's new churches now and things, but growing up, it was very kind of traditional. Um, anyway, really enjoyed it. Said my first prayer to God. I was like, hey, God, you don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. I'm SJ. Nice to meet you. Uh, you know, give me some credit. I was completely new to this. Of course, God knew who I was. And, um, I just, you know, kind of said, it's nice to meet you. And I reckon everyone who was sat in that room was kind of like <laughs> on the inside, but anyway. And so that, um, from there I was due to go traveling to Melbourne, go around Tasmania for the summer because we broke up cause it was summer holidays. And so we went, I went down to Melbourne with Deb. She was from Melbourne. Um, I spent my first Christmas there. Um, her family let me in. They gave me a bed to sleep in again. Beautiful family. Um, I found my adopted big brother who adopted me as his little sister um, and keeps an eye on me from very far away all the time. And um, did that. Then 
somehow, like from what I'd managed to say from the small wage we got doing outdoor education, I put into doing this traveling tour. So that more or less got rid of most of my money. There was food uh, included and accommodation. So I was like, hey, all good. So I went on the tour. It was really great. It was funny. There was opportunities for me even to make money as I was going through the tour. Like there was this American dude who was into stocks and he could not be bothered to go and buy chips. So he'd, And he knew I had no money. So he'd be like, hey, I'm going to go and buy some chips. Go and buy them for me and you can buy your own chips with the money. I was like, hell yeah, I'll go and buy hot chips and gravy with your money. Or he wanted his laundry doing and he'd give me a couple of books. I'm like, sweet. So it's just weird how money can come when you need it. It's not weird, it's God. So I was okay. And then the tour ended. So this is like, okay, let's move on to chapter three. And this is a little chapter in itself because it's so fun and so God-like. It's not even funny. So I was down in Tasmania we did the tour, we were back in Hobart, and I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And through this journey, I had actually started writing writing a journal. I didn't know who I was writing to, but I was writing to someone, and he knew that I could, that he could hear me, and so I was just journaling all this down, and um, I made it back to Hobart. I was like, right, well, I'm going to need to go and find a job. Um, I hadn't planned to go back to narrow yet uh, I didn't even know that was on the cards I was kind of wondering what the hell am I going to do next because you can only work for a business for six months when you're on your holiday working visa and so um, I actually thought I was staying in the YHA so I was like well there's outdoor activities to do around here what can I find to do to make money and so I went to the board you know how there's like a notice board full of all the leaflets I grabbed a chunk of leaflets and I just started to call businesses and say hey I'm in Tasmania, I've got this experience, do you need staff? And so I rang a bike shop who hired out bikes to tourists um, who said, yeah, come along, like we need some help um, doing the bike stuff and hiring bikes out. So I got there, they did bike stuff and they were also um, a parachuting skydiving company, which was so bizarre. So I rocked up. Um, there was the bike shop and then out the back there was their other business and so I got to help I didn't actually go up but I got to help and see all these amazing people fall out of the sky and make friends with them like I was so in my element and um and so I did that and then I also called a white water rafting company and said hey guys do you need help and they said, actually, we do. Um, come and meet us. We're going to do a family expedition down one of the rivers um, near Hobart. I can't remember what it's called. If you want to come and join us, I'll take you down for the day. You know, we can get to know each other and I'll see if something's available. So I was like, sure. So I rocked up to this trip and we did um, this rapid trip down the river and it was great and we had so much fun. And then he said, look, I don't have any outdoor work for you, but... I think it's Bogues, the beer. There's a Tasmanian beer. I think it's called Bogues. But they were coming down to Tasmania from their head office, wherever it was, to do an ad commercial. And they needed help um, with the catering. Um, and so this other beautiful lady who does all the catering for movies and things needed an extra hand in her mobile kitchen. And so he hooked me up with her 
And I went round Tazzy again with these beautiful ladies in their camper stroke um, kitchen. It was this really old van and it was so great. And I helped them make food for people. And like we fed all these people doing this advertisement trailer. And it was such an adventure. And those women, again, were absolutely beautiful. And then I got my wage and they covered the accommodation. Obviously, food was a given. And so I didn't even know God. Like I knew there was someone. I knew there was this thing. But I didn't know him yet. And he provided for me even when I didn't know him. And all of these opportunities came up. And I didn't even know him yet. Like, how amazing is that? <clears throat> and so... Um, I knew that um, it was going to be time where the kids were starting to go back to school and the camps would start again. And so I called my friend Deb up and kind of chatted about where I was and what I've been doing. And she said, well, I know these people from church who have a spare room and um, maybe I could ask them if you could stay. And so they did. They let me come and stay up in their room. So I had enough money to get my flight back um, to Nara. Um, and I had a room to stay in as well. And they were the most beautiful couple ever on this earth, along with all the others that had been amazing. And they basically put me up um, and they were incredibly generous as well. And so uh, one day they were like, so we're going to church, you know, see you later. And I was kind of like, can I come? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> and so they invited me along. Uh, I went uh, to church and it was nothing like the two year hundred old vicar in England like this church had lights <laughs> it had music um, everyone was so alive and fresh and it was fantastic and I just thought this is great uh, I'd never experienced anything like that before in my life uh, and I met some more wonderful people and they were all so very happy to see me and um, and then we just moved into a new church. Like the, the church had then literally just finished building their new building. So he just planted, uh, just built this new building. Um, and uh, from him being exceptionally busy, um, unfortunately, something quite uh, confronting happened to him and um, his wife had an affair. Um, and I was new to the church they just built this building and suddenly he announced from stage that his wife had had an affair um, and I could not believe his courage, his grace, his bravery and just how well he dealt with something so heartbreaking at the same time that I was completely amazed and... Um, I was I guess I was seeing the love of God work through him and he he just blew me out of the water of how well he dealt with the situation and um that then led to him going away and spending some time on his marriage and because of that um and it was actually interesting when I shared this story with him because um a few years later on cuz he's like wow out of that really bad situation someone still got saved and came to Jesus. 
but basically he went away um, and uh, we had a fellow called Kevin, Ken. Oh, my gosh, his name's gone. He does Careforce workshops. Anyway, beautiful guy. It'll come to me. Um, and he was so funny and he was so real and he was also a little bit rude and being English, slapstick, rude humour, I just completely related to him and I could not believe how funny he was. And it got to the night time, uh, it got to the end of the the sermon that day and anyone who's ever felt that feeling, my heart was thumping like oh my gosh, it was beating out of my chest. And I thought, what is going on here? Um, And they did the altar call. So they said, you know, everyone close your eyes. um, And if you're ready to accept Jesus, put your hand up. And before I knew it, my heart was pounding out my chest and my hand was going up. Um, And all I can say is, wow. And so I accepted Jesus that night I went up to the front stage to be prayed for and as I was walking up I immediately knew who Jesus was and I immediately saw him and um, all of that baggage, so the depression, the abuse, the rejection, the fatherlessness, I was carrying it around with what I can only describe to be as a really big old trench coat that you can imagine someone who was in the trenches in the wall wearing you know it's full of wool they're really heavy and it was full of dirt and shame and condemnation and all of those horrible things that that come with a life and Jesus just came behind me and he took this coat off like I could see it as I was standing there with my eyes shut And he said to me, I'm taking all this stuff away from you. You don't need to worry about anything I've got you now. And like that feeling of salvation, just that, I don't know, just wow. Like he came, he took the shame, the condemnation, the guilt. Like I had had sex with men and lots of different men and I carried that around and I'd lost my virginity through not wanting to and it it builds a lot in you and for Jesus just to come and say I'm taking that away you're a new person now like oh my gosh and so that happened I met Jesus and now we're moving on to chapter four (laughs) so we've done chapter one chapter two chapter three chapter four Um, and I was a new person and I was, I was literally born again. Like Jesus took all that worldly, horrible stuff, sin stuff off me. And I was a fresh person. And if you're listening to this video and you've had a similar story or you've had hurt and you've had shame and you don't know Jesus, he is the person that is going to do this for you and he will do it for you. And he has done it for me. And that was just a start of a healing process like I'd never known before and he will love on you he will just be amazing he's amazing and so that happened and from then I was like okay I need to (laughs) 
change some things in my life. And so I was like, there is no way I am going near boys again until God says it's right. I I can remember myself writing in my journal, God, I'm never going to touch boys again. I'm going to do the complete opposite to anything I've ever done before. Um, And I just kept journaling to him. I didn't really know much of the Bible then, but I knew who Jesus was. And I knew that he was amazing and he was doing some amazing things in my heart and in my spirit. And a couple of weeks after that, um, my room house person, house lord, <laughs> um, Jeff introduced me to this gorgeous looking boy or man. And he had beautiful curly blonde hair and he had this heart-melting Australian deep accent. I was like, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing to me? I just said I didn't want to be around boys ever again. And you're introducing me to this delicious Australian guy. (sighs) Anyway, I was like, no, we're doing the opposite to everything you have ever done before. (laughs) You know, let's, we'll leave it to God. Um, We stay away. Don't touch boys. And I kept bumping into him at church. And so we got to know each other. And I found out that he was into exercise and stuff. Um, And so so was I. And so Deb and I were going to spin classes then. And so I said, you know, we're going to a spin class if you want to come and join us one day. And he said, no, I don't want to go to your spin class, but I'll take you out for dinner. (laughs) So I was like okay. (laughs) And I told Jeff and he was like, so is it a date? I'm like, I don't know if it's a date. And he was like, well, if he comes up, he looks like he's just had a shower and his car's immaculate, then it's a date. I was like, okay. And so I was waiting for him to come the first night and this rocket ship of a car turned up. Like I am not a petrol head in any way, shape or form. Like I love nature and being in the outdoors and kayaking. And so this spaceship turned up and Nath walked in the door and because he had blonde curly locks, you can see that if he's had a shower or not and his hair was wet through. So he had had a shower. And then Jeff and I went out and he just thoroughly cleaned and got his Skyline car working for our date night. And Jeff just looked at me and he was like, it's a date. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And so we went out on this beautiful dinner together and we got to know each other. And by that time, I needed to start working on my three months uh, farm work that you have to do when you're a holiday working visa in Australia so you can prolong it another year. And I'd started making plans to go back to Edinburgh, like, or to go back to England, go to Edinburgh University to study outdoor education and I was saving up for that next um I'd somehow got in I don't know even know how I managed to get into that because I'd never even done uh undergraduate let alone a graduate but they gave me the benefit of the doubt and so um I was working on the farms um and the only farms down in Nara were dairy farms and it was just classed as a regional place so um God had set me up in this amazing place where I found him. Um I f- I found 
uh, a loving uh, place to stay, people around me. Um, and <laughs> he provided me, again, I just went in the yellow pages. I was like, right, I need to find work in a farm and dairy farms are the only ones around here. Google wasn't as easy accessible and the internet wasn't easy accessible then. So I got out the yellow pages and I went down and started to ring all the dairy farms. <laughs> and so there was a fellow just outside of Berry who was like, sure, come down, I'll give you a job. So I went down and that's how I got into dairy farming. And so I was um, worked for him part-time. He managed to hook me up with another fellow who worked in another farm um, who could make up the hours so I was getting a good wage. And so I was working on two dairy farms. So I'd get up at 2 a.m. in the morning. We'd milk through till 6. We'd then feed the calves. You'd go away, have a little nap, come back, and then you'd start another six-hour milking. Um, and then on my days, because that was actually a five-day job, on my days off, I went to work at the other farm who was up at 5.30. So by this point, I was dreaming of cows. Like, I saw cow udders in my sleep, and I absolutely stank. And Nate still wanted to go out with me. And so one day, uh, we went, he took me out in my lunch break to somewhere, and I was covered in cow poo and had my farm boots on and my farm outfit by the way I can now drive tractors slash fields I can help cows give birth um and so he took me out to this beautiful view like viewing place and um we had our first kiss when I was covered in cow poo and I had cow freckles all over my face so it's ever so romantic. So if you can kiss a girl when she's covered in cow poo, surely he must be a keeper, right? <laughs> um, and so this was all a month away from when I was due to leave. And so we just spent the days together when we could. Any hour that I wasn't milking cows or sleeping for just four hours at a time, I was with Nathan and we were getting to know each other and it was delightful. And um, in that, it was time to come to leave. And so I had to go back to England. I didn't have to go. I was choosing to go back to England. We had to say goodbye. I had to say goodbye to Deb as well, my amazing new friend. And um, it was a sad moment. And so I went back home to England um, and I found out that the university was a little bit more expensive than what I could afford by like a lot. And I've been kept in contact with Nathan. And so he said, well, I said, you know, I'm not going to do the university thing anymore. I just can't pull it together because you don't have the hex fund in England. And so he said, right, I'm going to see if I can get the time off work and come over and see you. I was like, okay so he did he got a couple of months off of work and he booked his ticket and he came over so he was able to meet my mum and dad and my mum and dad made him a little office suite um bedroom suite in our office outside um he got to meet my family he got to meet my great grandma which was amazing and I treasure that moment forever because she was such a vital part um of my life when me and mum were homeless she made sure that we were okay too um and she was all the way there for me growing up and she was just very dear to my heart so it was really special that he got to meet her um 
and yeah we went on some amazing adventures um we went and visited scotland we went around wales we mountain biked in ben nevis around ben nevis and we just kind of knew that even though i was slightly unfitter than nathan (laughs) we both had a very adventurous heart and he said right i'm gonna take you back to australia and so he did and so his family put me up in a room in their farm um, which was really really gorgeous of them and uh, we lived not together but we lived as a family together and they just took me in as one of their own daughters and six months later so it had been a a year together six months once we moved back to Australia Nath proposed which was really nice and then six months after that we were married um and so that's kind of the love story in the love story chapter four I think we're up to um, of how I found my husband when I just found God. I wasn't looking for boys and God just blessed me with the most amazing, loving, caring husband um, who has such, even more, on a, he has an adventurous heart like I do. So it was just fantastic. Um, and then from there, my gosh, it does not end. We, um, I was looking for work again and because I did my six months on the farm by that point, I found another farm, needed to find more work. And so my my friend again, Deb, was working for the Scots College at Glengarry, which was just in Kangaroo Valley, if anyone knows that. And they needed someone to help them with their secretary work because their staff member had hurt themselves. And so Deb gave them my number. And so... I was, I could even hear the voice of God by that point because I was searching for jobs, searching, searching, searching. And I was just sat at the computer one day going, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he clear as day said to me, don't worry, I've got it covered. So I was like, okay. And then I stopped worrying about it. And then that's when Deb messaged me absolutely randomly and said, hey, you're looking for work, right? And um, we exchanged numbers and I met the guy and I got work at the Scots College, um, which is a big prestigious school in Sydney. And this was like their outdoor campus. So I did that work for a bit. The woman came back. Um, There was another job going at the Anglican school in Nara. (laughs) Like literally saw it on the day was like, crap, I need to apply for this now because it ends tonight. We applied for it. Um, by we, I mean, Nathan and I, Nathan helped me apply for it. And then, oh my gosh, they called me like the Tuesday, the next day and said, you know, can you come in for an interview? I was like, sure. Told them my situation. There was only meant to be one job going. Then two jobs came up and, uh, they were trying to decide between me and another lady. And then because the two jobs came up, we both got employed And so I then found work in a school in Nara. So that led to another thing. Another job led to another thing. I guess what I'm trying to say is God provided every single step of the way. And I had no previous Christian knowledge much. um, And I really didn't know the Bible that well. But I knew who Jesus was. I could hear the voice of God. Um, and he provided everything up to this day of 
what we have ever needed. There's been challenges, there's been things come up, there's been all sorts of things happen, but God has forever remained faithful. He has forever provided and he is such an awesome God. And so one thing led to another with that. This is like another new chapter now. So I think we're up to like chapter six or seven, right? Um, I know this is a long podcast. Pause it if you need to. Pause the video if you need to. Come back to it. But there's now we're kind of entering the business stage of the book, um, which I'm sure I will write one day because I know that there's a lot more chapters to come yet. But um, and so one thing led to another uh, with jobs, and then my pastor at church was looking for some help doing disaster relief and so someone contacted me um because I was looking for work again the job that I was in didn't quite fit um and asked me if I'd be up for it so I said sure and so I had a meeting with Pastor Peter and he said let's go for it and so I got into disaster relief and that was an eye-opener in itself um wow what a great opportunity I got to learn all about marketing in that job one of my dear friends now um, who I often keep in contact with she taught me all she knew about marketing and I fell in love with marketing um, uh, because we had to raise funds for disaster recovery and things and one day I was in church I think I'd been working there for maybe a couple of years um, and oh no I need to go back And so somehow within that, we bought a house. That was it. So Nathan and I had been renting a house and we knew that we wanted to um, buy our own house. And it took us probably two years to find a house. And we were being very particular out of no particulation. Like we just hadn't found the right house yet. And so Nath found this really, it wasn't run down, but it was definitely salmon colored house. And I wasn't too sure about it, but I gave it the benefit of the doubt. And we walked into this house and I was walking around and again, God, clear as day with a voice said, you need to buy this house. So despite the pink salmon all all over the walls and the jungle out of the back, um, I knew that this was the house for us to buy. So we negotiated a really great price um, and we bought the house. And it had quite a bit of land. So it was a corner block and it had quite a bit of land. And I just knew that there was potential there to do something. I didn't know what it was yet, but I knew that there was potential there to do something. And at that point, we were just thinking a garage for all of Nath's motorbikes and he can have his man shed. But, um, and so we bought the house and then I started investigating what we could actually put on the house. And we chatted with some friends and they were like, guys you could build a granny flat on this and start generating income. I was like, "Mm, that's interesting. And I'd started to also just investigate in my own education about the possibilities of what we could do. And um, we, um, this is another amazing story in itself. So uh, I kind of knew that we could do something, was looking at a granny flat, didn't want to do the plans myself. I tried to create the plans. I was like, there's no way I'm making these plans. So I went to see a draftsman in town and I went with him with all our papers and things. And he was like, guys, 
you can't just build a granny flat on this. You can actually fit another house on this block. And we were like, what? He was like, yeah. And so we did all the measurements. We got surveying and we found out that we could build a house. I was like, great, let's do it. So uh, we cleared the garden, which was a jungle. I'm not kidding you. We took down 22 trees and they were big. We got rid of weeds. We cleared the land. We already had a bobcat because of Nate's dad's farm. So we cleared the land out. We painted the salmon. Praise Jesus. It was gone. And um, we actually put our house up to rent. We sold everything that we could. So the precious skyline went that we got married in that was our first date car. Uh, We sold vans. We sold everything we downgraded our cars so we could bring up because to do a development you need a wad of cash to be able to put in in the beginning uh we moved out into um a place that was a granny flat and it was gross and old and every little bit of money that we earned like we scraped together to be able to put in to develop this house luckily the market had gone up a little bit Um, So we were able to gain equity as well, which was really handy. Uh, Nath wasn't working that much by then because he was focusing on his racing as well. So I was the main source of income (laughs) and God just managed to make the tiny little bit of money that we got in just like feeding the 5,000 literally happened with our money. Um, And at this point, I was starting to think, gosh, if we do this, we're going to make quite a sum of money. And then that started messing with my head. And I was absolutely threatening to God about making this money. And so I actually thought, you know what? Um, uh, I don't know if I can do this. And so I went for a prayer session one day at our church because it was absolutely bothering me. And the girls asked me, you know, what is it would you, what, that you'd like prayer for? I said, I'm not going to tell you. I just want to see what God says. And uh, the first thing that came out of their mouths were, uh, you're doing a great job. You need to keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay to make this money and to do this development and go against everything in my bone that I believe. Um, and so... That was the start of the journey of changing my uh, beliefs and values on money and that it was okay for Nathan and I to do this development and to make money out of it. And, you know, that's going to lead on to other amazing things. And so um, we moved out. We did the development. It took a while. We managed to get tenants in in the house. The other house was built. Um, We were then able to find... Uh, tenants for that in the meantime we've moved out of the moldy old granny flat we've moved into somewhere else um that was nice brother's place um and our friend introduced us to house sitting and so here we go moving on to the next chapter and so we had gone from nothing to doing a development where god multiplied our very tiny little funds um the market started to rise at the same time which was like god's timing on that was just phenomenal 
Um, and I can't put that to any of our skills or abilities because that was a complete accident and it happened. Um, I was still working in global care at the time. Um, and I was sat in church one day and God told me that it was time to leave the church, uh, at time to leave global care. Um, and our pastor at the time was going through, you know, if he should still be being a pastor or if he should just be doing disaster relief. Um, and so that was all God's time and in that kind of bit of the story. And so I left there. Um, and then I was like, man, I'm going to become a developer. <laughs> So I started learning all about developing and then from that I actually started to learn. Somehow I got into marketing and then I knew I needed to create money so I could fund my developments. I needed capital so then I got into learning all about business, marketing, developing and I still needed a little bit of income at the same time. And so a tiny a part-time job came up at Anglicare and um, I thought okay um, and I got the job. So that was great. I got to learn all about marketing, business, and developing and kind of investing and all that stuff. And I had enough time to do it on the side. Um, and they still wasn't working that much by then. And um, I just threw myself into it. And then Nath's brother decided he wanted to go and get married. <laughs> so we were going to be kicked out of that house. Um, we had great times in that house. And uh, my friend introduced us to house sitting. And so um, we got a house sit in this beautiful, beautiful house outside of Berry. It was absolutely gorgeous with my friend Deb again. Again, another key lady who has just been key through this whole story. Um, and um, Nath, in the meantime, we'd been actually praying by this point that we wanted to go to Sydney or we wanted to get out of Narrow. We knew we needed to expand our minds and grow as a couple and put ourselves out there. And that wasn't going to happen in Narrow because we were just too comfortable. And the job opportunities weren't there. And for us to keep doing what we wanted to do, Nath needed to find a job. So we'd been praying for about two years for Nath to find a job. And when we were in Berry, we applied for a job um in uh, a contractor with the army up in Sydney and he got it and I'm not kidding you right so we just got into house sitting I was at Anglicare there was a beautiful counsellor there named Terry he was about to go on a trip to England for six weeks and he left like the night before Nath started working in Sydney and the day that the house at Berry ended. You can't make this stuff up, people. And so we left there. That place for six weeks enabled Nath to drive up for Sydney, for me to drive down to Nara. And in the mix of that is where I met Megan. Um, and so Megan and I was like, okay, and I was at that point where I was like, right, okay, I need to decide if I'm bringing God into my business or not, right? So all this stuff was happening. Maybe we should split this podcast up because it's a really long story. We'll figure it out. If not, just spread listening to it out for a couple of weeks or something because I have to give you the whole story because we're just getting to like the CWI bit now as well. And so... um. And so we were doing that traveling and I was like, right, God, if we're going to move up to Sydney, 
I need still to have income um, to keep doing what we're doing. It would be awesome if I could stay within Anglicare and if I could do a job in marketing. I am not kidding you. The day after I went into work, I switched on my computer. There was an internal email saying how an administration job had come up in the marketing team in Sydney. I was like, what the hell? Like, WFT God, what the floss? Like, oh my gosh. Um, I just, this is why this story glorifies God. This is none of our doing. This is all Jesus. This is all God. This is how he works. It is just mind-blowing. And so I applied for it. Um, and um, I, obviously I got the job. Um, and the day I started the job, we managed to find a house sit in Sydney near the workplace that would start on the same day that I started that job, right? Can you believe it? So (laughs) I went, like we packed all our stuff. We were living light by this stage. Even when we bought our first house, that first house, right, we knew that we were going to be on the road. We just knew it. So all our furniture was borrowed. Um, And so when we left our house, we gave all the furniture back Um, this year, 2019 is the first time I have ever bought furniture apart from this little desk of our own. And I don't know if you can even see it. I'm just using, um, and it's a little bit of a mess, sorry, but there's a chair over there. That chair (laughs) is the first bit of beautiful furniture that's brand new that I and we have ever bought and the reason why I bought it was because I wanted it uh, first of all for conference for next week uh, because I wanted a chair um, that we can pop at the back that women can go and sit on it and they can just have that time with God so I've been praying over the chair um, and it's a chair of God, I'm calling it. It's where you can just come and just spend that time with him and it's comfortable, you can sleep in it. And then also I wanted it so when I need my own space because we only have this small chair at the back, um, I can go and have my own reading chair and just my own little bit of space in our tiny little granny flat. So we knew we were going to be moving all the time. That chair is very light and very easy to move. So when we move again, um, I know that we can move it with us. And so we haven't bought a thing. We were ready. Like we were born ready for this house and stuff. So we had our ute. We packed up our stuff. We moved up to Sydney and I started my new job. So Nath had a job in Sydney. I had a job in Sydney. I was still doing the business and we had a house over our head. And in the meantime, that was when I did meet Megan. It was down when we were in that in transition stage. And that was at the point where I was doing my business and I knew I was at a fork road and I knew that I needed to bring God into it. And at that point, the business was called Empowering Her Business. It was the same format kind of as CWIB, but it just wasn't working how I wanted it to. Um And so I I came away from a conference, a business conference that I finally found that was Christian. 
um, knowing that I needed to bring God into it. And so I changed the marketing in it. I started sharing Bible verses because by that time I was knee deep in my Bible. Like I just love the Bible. Ever since we were down in Nara, I just started getting into it. I wanted to learn all about what God talks about money, about business, even about marketing. I wanted to learn all of it. And so I already at that point had dedicated my God time each week um, and learning all about what God had to share. And so I had all this content ready. So I was like, hell, I'm just going to start promoting it. So I started changing the Instagram um, feeds and then Meg saw it somehow and she was like, oh my gosh, she sent me a random message, didn't know her at that point. I can't believe that there's another Christian woman in business. Like we need to meet and chat. And so we did and we hit it like a house on fire. She was like my sister from another mister. Um, it like we'd known each other for years. Um, and we just thought surely there's other Christian women in business out there like where are they all and so we decided to try and find it find them um, and we searched high and low and there was no community or group that um that was out there for us and so Megan was like wouldn't it be interesting if um if there was one um and I was like, yes, wouldn't it? And so that was about a six-month process of his meeting and discussing and how cool it would be if there was a community of women because we actually found out we were in the same community in another space, but there was just something missing. We couldn't talk about God. We couldn't talk about faith and how business works with faith, and we were after something different. And we thought, well, if we're after something different, surely there's other people out there who are after something different. And so um, after much prayer and toiling with God and, you know, dreaming away, I went to see if the domain Christian Women in Business was free, um, and it was. (laughs) So I bought it, and I let Megan know that I bought it, and she was like, so are we going to do this? And I was like, sure, let's let's do this. Um, because obviously I was, I was weighing up the sacrifice. I knew that if I took on something like this, it was going to be a big sacrifice. Um, and it would mean me letting go of a lot of things to, to do it. And so after toiling with God, yes, let's do this. I'm ready to serve you God. And so Meg was like, okay, don't worry about it. I'll take care of the graphics and uh, the branding. You just do all the business stuff and kind of be the face of the business. Like we talked through all that. I'm like, yep, okay. Um, and so <laughs> she developed the beautiful brand that we have today and she has such a gift. Megs, you are amazing if you are listening to this. And um, I'm so grateful for having you in my life. And you are just incredible. Thank you for your spirit that you have, your generosity, your love, your grace. Uh, You teach me so much and I am forever grateful for you, my dear friend. And so we got the website, like I knew how to make websites, Meg knew how to make things look beautiful. And we put those two beautiful skills together and produced our website. Um, And then I'm like, well, (laughs) and I started I knew uh, I wanted to see if there was a market for it. I put the word out there. There's definitely a market for it. So I was like, right, God, I just said in my head one day, 
if we're going to do this, we're going to need to launch it and launch it properly. And then another random person messaged me, Marie, um, who was like, hey, God put on my heart to do a Christian business women's conference. Um, I hear you guys are doing this, like CWIB. Um, I was going to, she she explained to me, she was originally going to do it in November, but God told her to put a hold on it. Um, and she was just waiting and then she heard about our thing and she asked me, so when are you thinking about launching Christian Women in Business? And so I said, oh, you know, the 11th of Feb. She was like, no way, that's the date that God gave me for the conference. I was going to do it this date. He said no and then he gave me this date and we were like, wow. So um, God had perfectly orchestrated a place for us to launch um, and he had taken care of just about everything. And with the money that I was getting from my business, I was able to put into CWIB to get the website made. Um, work came in, so I was able to pay for it. God had just, again, his amazing glory through all of this. Everything was paid for. We had a place to launch. We had the branding. I had my history of what I could bring with um learning stuff from the Bible and I'm still learning and now I figure out how much I don't know and God's blowing me away with that now but yeah so we launched and so Christian Women in Business was launched two years ago um, on February the 11th 2017 so you are listening to this podcast after our second conference um, or watching this video that I keep forgetting that I'm on video um and here we are two years later we've had two conferences we've got this podcast that this is our 11th uh, 100th podcast show we have a magazine we have an app now which is awesome um if you haven't downloaded it you should (laughs) it's free on iTunes and on Google Play We've done our second conferences. We have business socials all over Australia and online. And God is just moving in such a way. And it's just just to sit back and be part of this story and to be the vessel that God is using is completely humbling. It's a complete adventure, which I absolutely love. There's not a day goes by where God doesn't absolutely blow my mind, uh, whether it be with spiritual warfare, whether it be learning about his kingdom and how the kingdom of God works so much differently to this earthly one. And time and time again, he is just... amazing and all of the glory goes to him in all of this I am literally just someone who said yes I said yes I put in the hard work of course I do you know there's there's not so much late nights anymore because I can't stay awake past nine o'clock there's early mornings um because I'm up early there's long weeks there's prayers there's sweat there's tears but God provides he amplifies, he is just amazing. And there's amazing opportunities that are coming out of this every day for women in the membership, 
who are part of our inner community of the membership within our outer community of the membership. And I often just get stories of how they've read a run, listened to a random podcast and something amazing has happened out of that for them or they've made absolutely amazing connections through something that we've done and that God's done and it's just like you just sit back and you just watch it happen and God's just so amazing and so as we wrap up the story of of this chapter as we wrap up this chapter because it's not the end of the story yet um this podcast is to be continued for another two years' time when we reach 200 podcasts. Um, I, I just sit back and I am just in awe and God is just so good. He's so good. I hope that this story and these chapters so far give you encouragement, give you a glimpse into the amazing kingdom God has. And in this conference that has just happened, that hasn't happened yet, we're going to be exploring, actually, who are you as a Christian woman in business? Who are you in God? Because so many people in in the Christian world still think they need to look up to heaven. But as you read scripture... I actually got really peed off with all the different messages out there about two or three years ago. It'll be three years ago now, maybe. And was like, right, I actually said to myself, no more church, no more um, videos of other people, nothing. I just wanted to hear and read the Bible from God. And I said, God, this is a clean slate. I just want to hear the truth from you. And so for the past two years, I haven't actually gone to church and I have just immersed myself in the Bible. There's concordance. I've got interlinear Bibles. Like the study is deep, man, is deep. And it's amazing. And uh, as I've been going through this journey of understanding God and his kingdom and the things that have come up from that, it's enabled me to take a step back from the religious side of it all and just get into God's heart and who he is and Jesus and Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, wow. And the prophecies and the prophets and King David and Abraham and Luke and John and the apostles and Paul and Acts and the Holy Spirit. I mean, wow, wow. And people think that, you know, heaven is a thing and God is a thing that we can't touch and we have to look up to heaven. But God's in here. Heaven lives in us. We don't have to wait for heaven to get our inheritance. Jesus has already died. It's already happened so we can step into our inheritance so the Holy Spirit can come upon us and is in us. We don't need to look up to heaven anymore. We're going to go there when we die on this earth. But heaven's already alive. He's already in us. And as John has has explained in the Bible, and it's a little bit in, in Luke as well, and in Acts, Jesus came to set the example. But we are here to do greater works than Jesus. Why aren't we doing that? 
And it's because we don't understand yet. The churches aren't explaining this. They're not in getting into the depths of it. And as I mentioned in the podcast, um, the prayer for your business earlier on this year, God is opening people's eyes to this and he's teaching them it and he's awakening them. There's an awakening happening and it's been time for us to step into this new ground and reclaim what's been lost and now it's time to build people up so they understand what lives inside them who lives inside them and the power that comes from that and the amazingness that can happen to bring glory to God and so I believe that the conference that's just happened (laughs) I don't know um because this this podcast is not before conference but this is just what God's showing me that As business owners, we really need to understand who we are in God and that the kingdom works so differently. God picks up people literally and places them in a new place. There's a supernatural world. There's the way that God works. And when we read about the verse of the renewing of your mind, that is what it's on about. It's not on about you know, healing and seeing things from a different perspective. It's understanding who God is, how his kingdom works and allow that transformation in your mind to happen so you can operate in that kingdom because you're here to operate in that kingdom, not from an earthly point of view. And I believe if business owners get that and they understand that, how they operate in their business and the influence they can have and how God can then use them is going to be so powerful so so powerful and so that's where the theme came from for the conference that's what we would have explored in the conference it's weird talking in the future um by God's will of however he allows that to happen and to teach that and so from the conference our membership is open today okay it opens today in the future um And it's open for this week after conference. If you are wanting to become a member, now is your time to get your applications in and come and join us. But basically from that and from the conference, we are then going to be exploring that in more depth over this next year. So who are you in God? What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom's already here. We're not waiting for it. It's happened. He's in you. He can operate through you. Our job is going to be to equip you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you and he's going to open your eyes. I can be a vessel, but the Holy Spirit will do what he wants to do through that. And then I believe once business owners have grabbed that and we're united in that, that's when stuff's going to start to happen. That's when the Holy Spirit's going to be showing his amazingness. He's going to come out from his hiding, so to speak, And he is just going to blow the world's socks off. And it's going to be through you, through the business owner, wherever you are in the world. And so I'm inviting you to come on this journey with us uh, to explore the Holy Spirit, to explore who you are in God and how that then is going to unfold to so many more things that have been hidden The Bible is just full of so many secrets that when you start getting into it and when you start going deeper, it is, as as Sharon says, it's interwoven, it's all connected, but it's all got one message about the truth and the truth is Jesus and people are craving for this depth. They are craving for the depth. They are 
craving for that Holy Spirit wowness. People are starting to get hungry for it. I know people are hungry for it within our community already. And so I'm really looking forward to exploring how that's going to unfold over the next couple of months within our community. So if you're ready for that in-depth study and you're ready to step up to the game and you're ready to say yes to God and be a vessel for him, this literally is your time to join. I'd love for you to become a member. All you need to do is pop your application in. We just do some quick checks um, and then... Uh, It will take you through to the investment page. Um, Yes, we do charge for the membership because we have to run it and we need funds to do that. And that's how God works his funds, right? It's a business. Um, But your investment will be worth it. Uh, We've got different options now. There's monthly investments and, and annual investments. And there's all different levels that you can join. So you can fix... Um your membership to fit around what you're needing as well. Um, Your membership will go towards this podcast. It will go towards the app um, because that is free. So we need to pay for the things to do for that. Um, Money does get put back into different projects that um, come up through the year that go towards missionary stuff. Um, And obviously it goes towards providing you an awesome membership as well and to the bible studies and yeah so it's a well worth investment you are going to get so much out of it i can't wait to see what god's going to do i am pumped i hope that this story of my testimony really encourages you and glorifies god he is so amazing i can't wait to see what happens next i'm excited i am waiting in apprehension and wow it's going to be good So that's the end of today's podcast, our 100th podcast. What an amazing privilege it is to share with you this story, this video, and be raw. (laughs) If any of you know me by now, I'm a raw, down-to-earth girl um, who's very real and honest and loves God. And um, yes, so that's it. Cool. All right, let's pray before we end today's podcast because it's always a privilege to pray for you dear lord thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to share the testimony i hope that this story goes out and if it's your will it will be amplified that people will see your amazingness through it and see your heart see your compassion see your love and for those who are poor in spirit that we bring healing to their spirit father god that it would open up a floodgate for the holy spirit to go and do his amazingness Uh, if it's your will father god that actually no we just pray for your will to happen over this intake for this next week lord you will bring the right people the who need us at the right time but you want to hear your message jesus you say by your will that you know who your sheep are bring them to us, allow us to be good shepherds, teach us, give me wisdom, give me knowledge, give our leaders wisdom, give our leaders knowledge, uh, to share with them the truth that's from you, that we only speak words from you, and that it is all truth of Jesus and of your kingdom, and 
I am thankful for the eyes that are going to be opened, that the hearts are going to be transformed from people who already know you to people who don't know who you are. And that this is going to be, if it's your will, an amazing outreach to the people who need it that will just glorify your kingdom, Father God. And we are so thankful for you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you do and all that you are and the amazing power that we just have no idea about that you have to bring healing and glory and wisdom and knowledge and opening our eyes to scriptures and just wow you're amazing and we love you so much in your precious name Jesus Christ we pray amen cool well have a fantastic day week month year (laughs) I hope to see you in the community Um, I look forward to encouraging you in any way that you involve yourself with us it's a pleasure to serve you it's a pleasure to serve God and I am so happy that I've got to share with you my story on this hundredth podcast bye for now Sarah Jane here I hope you enjoyed the podcast we'd love it if you could please share this podcast with your friends please rate our podcast on iTunes. And for more information about becoming a member of Christian Women in Business, head over to our website, www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au. Catch you next time.